0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
1: I bring you grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for the sermon is from today's Gospel, Luke chapter 15. I read again a few verses. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, than over 99 people who have no need of repentance. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may show forth your praise. Amen. Have you any idea of how overjoyed Jesus is to see? each one of you here today have you any idea of how glad he was to hear you confess your sins and receive forgiveness have you any idea of how pleased God will be to welcome you at the table of Holy Communion today joy Joy is above us. Joy is around us. Joy is here with us. Supernatural joy. For sinners only, if you go to a small, rather undistinguished, little Lutheran church in South Australia, out in the sticks, um, to a place called Robertstown, you will see those words written on the altar before you when you come to Holy Communion: the words "for sinners only." That's why the that's why the tax collectors and sinners came to Jesus, and that's why you two have come here today to hear what Jesus has to say and to eat at his table this morning. Eating with sinners. Is that the way it's meant to be? Does it mean, as some of the critics in the ancient world, but to the present day, say that Jesus is soft on sin? You see, the scribes and the Pharisees were half right in their criticism of Jesus in receiving sinners and eating with them. They had good theological reasons for their criticism of Jesus. They weren't just nitpickers. You see, they had a passion for God's holy word and a zeal for his holiness that few of us could ever match. They were good people. They lived their whole lives as in God's presence and they maintained the same standards of purity as the priests did during their time of service at the temple in Jerusalem. And since they used the holy name of God in grace before and after each of their meals at home, they held that God was their host for every meal and they were his guests. Their homes and they together with their homes was sanctified, was made holy by the presence of God with them. They regarded every meal as holy as the meals that they had at the temple In Jerusalem. And what's more, since they knew the Old Testament well, they knew about God's aversion to sin and the impurity that came as a result of sin. You see, sin makes you unclean. You know that from your own conscience. Um, Because God was most holy, he couldn't tolerate any body or anything unclean and evil in his presence. He had to get rid of it. He had to eliminate it, annihilate it, so that it didn't desecrate his holiness because God's holiness is as incompatible with human impurity as gasoline is with fire and light with darkness. They exclude each other. They can't coexist. So, since the Pharisees didn't want to desecrate God's holiness, they shunned sinners so that they wouldn't be infected and polluted by them. And that means that they had good reason to complain about Jesus, to grumble about Jesus and his association with sinners. And they had two reasons for their criticism. There were more besides this, but it, it was basically two reasons. Number one, by eating and drinking with sinners, Jesus was excusing and condoning sin. He was acting as if these people had nothing wrong with them, as if they had no need of repentance. And worse than that, by his deliberate association with them, by his contact with them, he contaminated himself, he polluted himself, and so desecrated his holiness and the holiness of God the Father. So they criticised Jesus because they knew that the penalty for the deliberate desecration of God's holiness uh, was death and destruction how could such a man who did this escape the wrath of god how could the most holy messiah god's son desecrate god's holiness unthinkable isn't it how was this possible such a man would be condemned to death by God himself and you know what the Pharisees were right and proved right by their assessment of Jesus Jesus did pollute himself by receiving sinners and eating with them and in so doing he took on their sin and became unclean from them he became infected by them. He brought down God's wrath on his head by his association with them. And as a result of that he was tried in a duly constituted religious court and sentenced to death by the high priest who was God's representative on earth. And worst of all He was forsaken by God the Father and died a criminal's death under the dark cloud of God's wrath. He became sin for those who were sinners. He became unclean by his contact with sinners. But the Pharisees and scribes were also half wrong in their criticism of Jesus. They saw only half of the picture, like a one-eyed sporting fan. Yet Jesus doesn't get stuck into them. He doesn't tear strips off them. He doesn't criticize his critics because they don't see the whole picture. Instead, he tries to win them over. He tries to win them over by telling two parables, two little stories The first about a shepherd who leaves 99 sheep grazing out there in the open country and goes out to find the one sheep that was lost. And more dramatically, the story of a woman who's lost part of her dowry, a gold coin that she would wear on her, uh, which was her dowry, she'd lost it, and... uh, then spent a great effort turning the house inside out to find this this one coin now if you want to get a modern equivalent of that you women who are married just imagine losing your engagement ring. wouldn't you turn the house upside down to find it again Jesus uses these two stories these two parables to explain to the Pharisees and to us that he takes on our sin and the impurity, the uncleanness that comes on us because of our sin to bring us back home to our Heavenly Father. In these parables Jesus explains why he came to earth, lived a human life and died that terrible death. All this was because he was looking for each one of you. He was finding us. He became a man, a human being to save those who'd lost their way, those who are lost in sin and far from the presence of God. And the remarkable thing that God and Jesus doesn't wait for us to repent and to return No, he takes the initiative. He comes out, he goes out after us. He discovers us and brings us back home to God. Like a good shepherd who leaves 99 sheep to fend for themselves as they graze, he risks all that he has and spares no cost to find a single lost person. How inefficient. Like a married woman who turns her house inside out to find her engagement ring, Jesus goes to great lengths and expends much effort to find each person who has been estranged from him and his father. But best of all in these parables Jesus tells the scribes and the Pharisees and all who care to hear, namely us, why he ate and drank with sinners at such great cost to himself. You see, his eating and drinking with sinners like you and me made his death inevitable. The cost of that was his life. And in the meals of Jesus that he has with people, particularly, this is told in Luke's Gospel, in his meals with them, he celebrates repentance, the joy of repentance, a new kind of repentance, repentance in which people don't return to God, but Jesus comes to bring them back to God the gift of repentance, a new kind of repentance in which Jesus reaches out to lost people, picks them up, puts them on his shoulders and carries them back home to his heavenly Father. And he does so rejoicing. And the joy that Jesus has in bringing just one lost sheep back to God is shared by the angels in heaven and his heavenly father. It's heavenly joy that spills down to earth in Jesus. And by telling these parables, Jesus calls the gloomy Pharisees, the critical Pharisees and us together with the Pharisees and all people on earth to join together with him And the angels and his heavenly father in rejoicing. Rejoicing what? Every single person who's lost who comes back to his heavenly father. Isn't that wonderful? Surprising? Amazing? And Jesus says to us, as he said to them, Rejoice with me. Why? Because found my sheep that was lost. My dear fellow sheep, once lost but now found, have you any idea of how overjoyed Jesus is to see you all here today? He is so overjoyed that he has pro- he provides a joyful meal for you a meal in which he comes as close to you as he possibly can. And he reaches each to each one of you lost people personally, picks you up wherever you are and however lost you may be, and brings you back rejoicing to the presence of his Holy Father. And Jesus doesn't just rejoice by himself, but God the Father rejoices with him And all the angels rejoice with Jesus and God the Father. God the Father is glad uh, to open the door for you as Jesus brings you to his table today as you come to Holy Communion. The joy is all around you. It's over you. It's around you. And it's in the midst of us here today and Jesus wants that joy to be in you too. He wants you to joy, rejoice and calls you to rejoice. So rejoice with God the Father and the angels who are here with us today, rejoicing. Rejoice with Jesus who's so very glad that he's found you and now brings you home. Yes, rejoice with utter glorious, exalted, inexpressible joy as you receive the body and blood of Jesus today. Rejoice with Jesus as you hear him say to each one of you personally that he has given you and he gives you his body and blood to free you from sin, cleanse you from all impurity And put his joy in your hearts, so that you can leave this place today rejoicing, together with all the angels. Rejoice in this meal, in which he receives you, not as perfect people, but as forgiven sinners. Rejoice that he gives you his own purity, his own holiness, in exchange for your sin and your impurity. A wonderful exchange, which means that when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see the old you, but he sees Jesus in you. You are as holy and clean in God's sight as Jesus is. Remember that church in Robertstown in South Australia, my home state, and the inscription on its altar, For Sinners Only. And rejoice that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But above all, rejoice that Jesus comes to you here today to save you. And send you on your way rejoicing. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.